Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode 64 of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke LeGrand. And I'm Jess Rubenstein. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. The NHL offseason has just begun, but you can already start looking ahead to next season because Bet Online already has lines and spreads for next season's opening night. And you don't have to worry because once the season starts, Bet Online has lines, spreads, and props on every game, so you never have to worry about missing out on the action. But whether it's the NHL, the MLB, or any other sport, Bet Online has you covered, so head on over to betonline.ag take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. This is Believe in Hockey Prospects, the show all about discussing the future stars in the game of hockey. We believe in the future. Do you believe? This week we'll be recapping the NHL draft this weekend. All seven rounds brought us some surprises. But first, just before we go into some of the big stories, tell me how you felt about the draft as a whole. Uh, underwhelmed. You know, first of all, we got to be honest. This was a really hard draft to scout. You got some players who got as many as 30 games in. The juniors were barely up and running. Unless you were scouting very much in Europe, it was really hard for North American players to get a good read on. I think if we look at how the teams approached it, I never saw so many teams give away draft picks. The Kings, who are rebuilding, had, you know, a first, two seconds, a third, and that's it. It's going to be fun down the road. You know, everybody says you wait five years to see if the draft is good or not. Well, I don't know if you're going to wait five years about this draft because there were some strange, strange picks in this draft. Yeah, you said it great, Jess. This draft was really, really weird. A lot of guys I expected to go in the first round went in the second. A lot of guys I expected to go in the second round went in the fourth and so on from there. It looks like, according to the experts and people that I trust for when I read, a lot of these picks seem to be focused on two things. The first is that teams really wanted to improve their defense this year. 81 defensemen selected this year. This was built up to be the year of the defensemen. It looked like that came true. The other thing is it seems like teams were very reliant on the recent tournaments like the World Juniors and the U18 Championships. It's easy to forget that this year was a really, really tough year to scout, like you said, Jess. The two leagues that had the most players selected, the WHL, which had a 24-game season, and the OHL, which did not have a season at all. So it looks like the teams tried to use those tournaments to the best of their advantage. It looks like it really boosted some guys' stocks. So, like, Danila Klimovic... He went in the second round, Wayne Johnston went in the first, so did Nolan Allen to the Blackhawks. It looks like the tournaments had really heavy input here, so knowing that now, things make more sense. But going in, it's weird to see that small of a sample size really, really take up a large portion of what teams were looking for. Oh, definitely. I mean, this really was a diverse draft. I mean, guys from England, a guy from England gets drafted. How often do you see that happen? We'll get to talk more about that a little bit later, Jess, but there was a huge story Friday night that dominated the weekend. I think you know what I'm talking about. For those who don't know, defenseman Logan Mayu of the London Knights was fined in 2020 by Swedish police for invasion of privacy and defamation. 
after sharing an unconsensual photo with his teammates of Mayu having sex with a woman. Shortly before the draft, Mayu released a statement saying he did not feel like he had demonstrated strong enough maturity or character to earn the privilege of being drafted this year, and then asked that no team select him in the draft to allow him an opportunity to demonstrate the proper level of maturity next season with London in the OHL. And Jess, I think it's important to point out that while Logan did try to renounce himself, you cannot remove yourself once you're eligible, and the reason that's important to mention is Friday night with the 31st overall pick. Montreal used their first selection to take Logan Mayu. There's been a lot of talk over this, but Jess, what's your take on Montreal's move here? Well, despite everybody screaming at Montreal, they weren't the only team that were willing to take this kid. Montreal just, they took him. It's one of those things where there's no right answer. I mean, in the United States, they probably would have drawn, quartered him and, and taken him out to some tree and we never would have seen him ever again. I don't want anybody to think that I don't take this seriously. I do. I really do. But at the same time, the kid was 18. I think he did damage control because uh, the athletic was going to break the story and he beat him to it. So I think he did some good damage control by coming out. The question is with Montreal, um, what were you thinking? And that's the perfect question to ask, Jess, because personally, I'm so perplexed as to why Montreal would do this. Because making this pick literally benefits nobody. From Montreal's side, this is troubling for a couple of reasons. First off, we know that every team that Mayu interviewed with talked about this in his pre-draft interview. So everyone who interviewed him knew that this happened. We also know that at least 12 teams had Mayu on their do-not-draft list. And that just happens to line up with his wishes, right? He says he doesn't want to get drafted Perfect. 12 teams don't want to draft him. Good for him. But the Canadians went and used their first pick on a kid at least a third of the league had no intention of taking. Never mind the fact that you can look at his resume, make the judgment yourself if you think he's a first-round talent. You made it a priority to go out and take someone who said, hey, I'm not ready yet, don't draft me. You did that. You didn't take him in the fifth, sixth round and say, we know his history, we want to work with him, see if we can make some character changes. He was your first pick. And not only that, this puts Logan in a terrible spot, too, because if my memory serves me correctly, entry-level contracts in the NHL can be anywhere from $700,000 to $925,000. First-round picks usually make close to that, if not exactly, that $925,000 number. Jess, I don't know about you, I could use two hundred grand right now. That sounds pretty good, right? That sounds great. And especially if I was 18, that could have solved a lot of problems if I was 18, but he didn't want to get drafted, so... Is Mayu a bad guy if he signs right now? Is he a bad guy if he takes that extra 200k? I don't think so, but it doesn't look good on anyone's part if he goes about his life like he didn't just say last week, I don't want any part of this draft experience whatsoever. Mayu was right when he said, the NHL draft should be one of the most exciting landmarks in a player's career because right now nobody is excited for Montreal after they made this move. I think it was an awful decision by the Habs to do that. Well, see, here's the thing, though. At the same freaking time, this is where I want to say the double-edged sword. How many teams are in the NHL? 32. Only 12 teams said they weren't going to draft him. That still left 20 teams that were willing to draft him or had him on their draft boards. Montreal was the one that scooped him up. If I'm Montreal, I understand why you took him in the first round. If we take us all out and just... Measure him hockey stance-wise, okay? Where's his skill set? Was he a first-round pick? Yes, he was. Did he deserve to be a first-round pick? 
on morality and behavior, no. But as a player, yes. So if Montreal doesn't take this guy in the first round, who's to say that the very next pick, if first pick of the second round, that he gets picked then? Or the third pick? A lot of people need to get off their high horse. To me, the best way to have made sure that this didn't happen was the commissioner pretty much basically saying, if you pick him, we're not going to let you sign him. They couldn't take him out of the draft, but Gary Bettman could have said, we're going to suspend him for three years because he doesn't pass our smell test. And how fitting is it for the NHL? I'm sure that they love that the Chicago Blackhawks trade back and amidst this whole sexual assault scandal that Chicago's in right now, right before they select, Montreal goes out and selects someone who's got a sex charge against them. And then Chicago's up next. And Jess, I'm not sure if you watched the draft. They had about eight women and spoke out about how Chicago wants to be part of this new equality. Everyone's equal. We need to treat everyone with respect better. Immediately after they take Logan Mayu, the NHL is in such bad shape. And this happened last year, too. Obviously, it's not the exact same thing, but we know what happened with Mitchell Miller in Arizona. Obviously, we don't need to do the whole, where do racial slurs stack up? against sexual assault we don't need to play that game right now but if we're gonna do this Arizona goes out they make their pick they've got to rescind their pick Mitchell Miller loses his draft spot he loses his spot at North Dakota and now Montreal knowing that Logan Mayu does not want to be involved in this draft process goes out and takes him and then makes Chicago look nice and bright and smiley because that's what the NHL is all about the NHL has an awful culture problem right now you take a look at what's going on in the league right now how could you feel good looking at it I can't. You know, I saw while everybody was applauding Prokop coming out, you know, when he signed his contract, I basically said, I want to see what happens when he gets inside a locker room. Because as much as the NHL wants to pat itself on the back, like you said, the NHL really is a bunch of hypocrites. On the outside, yeah, we, we endorse gay people or we endorse people of color. But the truth of the matter is, inside, there's a lot of players who are homophobic, who are racist. The hazing that used to go on, I don't know if it still does. But what happened in Chicago was criminal in act. The fact that the NHL is like going, oh, we're going to let Chicago run its own investigation. Bull. That's why you have a commissioner. The commissioner is supposed to step in. The commissioner is supposed to go, how does a guy like that assistant coach. I'm not going to mention his name because he doesn't deserve the publicity, but how does a guy that winds up a registered sex offender gets himself a reference from the Blackhawks for an under-18 team when they supposedly, quote, we have to use the words alleged. They allegedly knew what he did. I mean, I was reading the post. The post says that they all knew about what happened. There's a cover-up. It doesn't matter. The NHL's got a problem. And unfortunately, I don't believe the NHL really takes this seriously. And we're going to find out because let's see if Montreal waits a year or two. Montreal stole the headlines Friday night, but Logan Mayu is just one pick out of 223. So let's go back to talking about the draft as a whole, Jess. Let's start talking about the team level of things. Let's start it off here. Who do you think had the best draft and who do you think had the worst draft? Oh, the worst draft? Well, you know, Ottawa. 
<laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, a lot of teams hurt themselves. Ottawa were taking Boucher with the 10th pick overall. The kid's a good kid, but nobody had him even as a late first rounder. I mean, most teams had him where he was ranked 56 and they used the 10th pick. No, come on. And it's not like he's going to step right out and play. He's under 18 on Team USA. My jaw just dropped when I saw that. I mean, I thought it was just totally insane. It's weird. Team number two, Toronto, only a second round, a fifth round, and a sixth round. How do you say they won the draft? So I had a tough time picking the worst draft because, like you said, there's a couple teams who did not have a lot of picks, but I liked the guys that they took. So looking at Toronto, they only had three picks, but I liked Matthew Kniez and Ty Void. I think they might turn out to be good players. Looking at Winnipeg, they only had four selections. I really liked the value on Chaz Lucius and Nikita Chibrikov. St. Louis, again, they only had four, but I really liked Bull Duke and Simone Robertson. But you said it, Jess. It's got to be Ottawa. They had six picks. I think every single one of them could be defined as a reach. Tyler Boucher, they used a top 10 pick on him. A lot of people say he could have been a late second rounder. I think the earliest I've seen him go all week, maybe a month, the earliest I've seen him go is the final pick of the first round. Top 10 seems like very, very much of a reach. And then you look at guys like Zach Ostapchuk and Ben Roger. They were taken in the early second round. I've seen them go from anywhere from 75 to 200. I didn't see anyone having Oliver Johansson or Chandler Romeo get selected whatsoever. I don't hate the Carson Latimer pick. I mean, that's one out of six. That's... Not exactly a great batting average, but people were picked out of order all draft. Everyone went their own way, but nobody did that more than Ottawa. They did really well last year, but I don't really think this year was a good use of assets, and I think Tyler Boucher might be the only person out of this group we see crack the NHL in a few years. Then there's Pittsburgh. I'll give Pittsburgh credit. They only had five picks, but if you followed the Penguins this year, you knew that defense was a deficiency. And they used three of their five picks on defensemen. In the seventh round, I like the Ryan McCleary pick because I think the Winterhawks were a loaded team. So getting ice time was really hard for this kid. But when he did play, he showed flashes of really solid play. Daniel Latch, who played for Sioux City, the only reason I even know who this kid is is because I was following Cole Sillinger. I like those two seventh-round picks. I think nowadays you have to get value out of every pick. Give Arizona credit. They lost the first-round pick because of their stupidity, but yet they rebounded. The three second-round picks with two of them in the top ten in the second round, Josh Doan and Fedorov, I thought those were good picks. Moser at the 28th pick in the second round from the Swiss Leagues. Arizona went European crazy. Europe was pretty much the only leagues that got to play all year round. So you could get good reads on these guys. To Arizona's credit, they invested time and effort. And the guys they picked, they took a Western Hockey League, the pick of Dylan Gunther right off the bat. I think Gunther walks into Arizona. He'll be in their starting lineup this year. Nobody else is going to be right away help, but I think they did a good thing for the future. So I also had a really tough time picking up best draft because 
every team took a really weird player at some point in their draft. And I could say most teams probably are going to hit somewhere in the middle of the draft. But I said last episode, I think this draft is going to be defined by the first round. And Columbus went 3-for-3 three three in my book. I mean, Kent Johnson doesn't need any talking for. The guy's an animal. He's a key part of that Michigan team. Then they move up to 12 from the Seth Jones trade. They take Cole Sillinger. Jess, you brought him up already. You've been talking about him for weeks. He's a guy that's a dual threat. He's a center that can score. He does so much. And then at 25, they add Corson Kuhlman. He's a nice-sized defender. He can do it all. That's I think, might wind up being the steal of the first round. That pick right there. People had mixed feelings about him, but I liked everything. He checked all the boxes in terms of he's a smart player. He had a really excellent reads on his defense. And I liked the way you didn't see him make the same mistake twice. And I love kids who go back and say, wow, I screwed up here. So I go fix what I did wrong. We also got to give Buffalo some credit. They used the draft to load up. Owen Power, that was a no-brainer. But Isaac Rosen. Phenomenal pick. He's going to be a player in the NHL. And then you come around and Polipov, I mean, they went three straight guys who were Russian junior players. But look at the teams that they played on. Saskatoon, Moscow Dynamo, Saskatoon. So I'll give Buffalo some credit here. As screwed up as this franchise is, they worked hard. They took full advantage of every single pick that they had. I think Buffalo... They realized that they needed bodies. They got bodies. When I was just starting out, they always told me, you always try to get at least one or two players out of each draft. Well, I think nowadays you're going to get three or four. And I think Buffalo is going to get three to four players out of this particular draft. So, Jess, you brought up Corsi Coleman's, and the next question I had for you was I wanted your best steal of the draft and your biggest reach of the draft. Is Corson Coleman's your answer for biggest steal? It's not that he's the biggest steal. I'm kind of torn between Calgary grabbing Coronado, reaching for him at 13. Everybody else says it's a reach. I don't. I think that he was a fast rising player. Chicago grabbing Nolan Allen at the very end of the first round. I saw a lot of his games in Prince Albert. He's going to be a great player. Uh, I love Dallas Wyatt Johnson, who nobody really had on their radar. But I think that he's going to be a player. And being able to steal Stankoven in the second round with the 15th pick, he was a first-round pick on a lot of people's boards. I think because he's only five foot eight, people shied away from him. But Jim Nils, the Dallas Stars general manager, he used to be the guy that did all the drafting for Detroit during their heyday. If anybody knows how to find players, it's Mr. Nils here. For my steals, I had three that came to mind. And starting in the first round, I think two of the best picks happened back-to-back. Minnesota got an absolute steal in Jesper Wallstead at 20. And then Boston snagged Fabian Lysel at 21. But before I do any of that, Jess, I have to tip my cap to you. For months, you've been talking about Sebastian Kosa being the first goalie off the board. I didn't believe you. We had people talking about Wallstead in the top 10. Our friend Jared Brown comes on. He's talking about Wallstead going to Seattle. 
I personally think had they not traded their first round pick to Columbus, I think Chicago would have snagged Wallstead. But man, I know Costa's got the size advantage, but I really like the steel set Wallstead brings. And I didn't think Minnesota was going to take him here. I thought Capo Kaknin would be their man of the future, but boy, does Minnesota need a resurgence in goaltending. I think they got a great guy in Wallstead. And oh my goodness gracious, Fabian Lysel to Boston. I had him as a top 10 player coming into Friday, and when it comes to wingers, the only two I held in a higher regard were Dylan Gunther and William Eklund. Boston's a team whose window is closing pretty quick. If they want to retain their core, we won't see him this year, but give him a year or two. They'll still have Pasternak, Marchand, and Hall for sure. He could slot into that top six very nicely if all goes according to plan. And my guy after the first round, I cannot believe Aturati fell all the way to the Islanders at 52. As a Ranger fan, this kills me inside because it's become pretty clear teams did not see him as a first-round talent. This guy was a top-five pick coming into the new year. I may have been a little overzealous thinking he could be a pick for the Rangers at 16, but this is a great deal for the Islanders. I know I'm going to hate having him in the blue and orange for the next couple years because, man, oh, man, this kid's a talent. I don't care what anyone says. But in terms of reaches... I know I was surprised to see a lot. Uh, Shy Boom gets selected by Detroit. I was taken aback by that. Not because I've got an issue with Shy Boom. I don't think he's a bad player. In fact, I know he was talked about as one of the highest touted defensive prospects in the USHL. But they moved up two spots after they made a deal with Vegas. And then Vegas took Danil Cheka, who I think is a much better defenseman than Shy Boom. So it's not a bad pick, but a pick you did not need to give up assets for. And even when you did, you still didn't take the better player. But really all the reaches this draft, I think it comes down to recency bias. So Mason McTavish, Wyatt Johnston, Chase Stillman, they're guys that played in those big tournaments and really showed up in big spots. It's hard to blame teams for doing that when literally everyone's got to do it this year. Then you have guys like Ostapachuk, who went to Ottawa, Ilya Fedotov, who went to Arizona. Washington took Vincent Ioro. Those guys have big upsides, but they need a lot of time to develop, so you can't really knock them there. I don't know. The order of picks this year was so weird. It's really hard to pick one that fills out of the blue. Half of them feel like they're out of the blue. I do like Shy Boom where he went. Uh, I don't think that's a reach pick. I mean, you're talking about a kid who's going to the University of Denver, who's trying to rebuild their college program. They gave, you know, this kid 6'3", 209. Uh, it's kind of hard not to like this pick, but I'm going to do a little chest pumping for my boy, Sebastian Cosa. The reason I watched him is because I watched every single Edmonton game last year because of Matthew Robertson for the Rangers. I watched Cosa who I didn't really think much of when I started the season. Every time Edmonton hit a rough patch, here he is, stealing wins. Edmonton wound up with such an incredible record, and I would give credit for that record, not to all the offense they had. I mean, they had Gunther, they had Robertson, they were a solid team, but it was Kosa who picked them up and carried them on the back, I'd say for at least eight of their wins when they had no offense whatsoever. This is a kid who it didn't matter. They had clinched the best record in the Western Hockey League with like two games to go. And he's like saying, you know, I still want to play. I want to, I want to win all of my games. I want to win them all. 
So I love that attitude. But we didn't talk about how, you know, Edvidson, the sixth pick. I mean, what were you other guys thinking? I had Edvidson as maybe the third defenseman. Power for sure. Clark, who, why he fell, I'll never know. And then Edvidson. If I'm Stevie Y, I'm going, oh, look, Christmas came early. Their first four picks, because we got to include Carter Mazur, I think will go a long way into reestablishing Detroit as an NHL power. I think Detroit, in five years, we're going to wind up saying that they stole this draft. Especially since at their fourth pick, they took Fred to the show, Red Savage. So an absolute phenomenal draft by Detroit. And Jess, you brought this up a little bit, but before we go, we got to talk about the national breakdown. You mentioned it before. 223 selections this year, according to NHL Public Relations, 82 of them came out of Canada, 50 out of the U.S., then Russia had 29 players, Sweden had 24, and Finland had 14. Getting into the single digits, the Czech Republic had 8, Germany and Switzerland each had 4, Belarus had 3, and then Norway, Ukraine, Great Britain, Slovakia, and Kazakhstan all had 1. So, does anything stand out to you in the country breakdown, Jess? Nothing really stands out. I'm very happy that USA Hockey saw a huge rebound. I think the reason that we got 50 guys going is the fact that they won the gold at the juniors. They played really well at under 18. So USA Hockey, they took a look at what happened, went to work, and that's the result. We should also talk about how the Western Hockey League had 32 picks playing just 24 games. The OHL, 26 picks, didn't play a game. The Quebec League had 24 picks, and they played just about a full season. I think USHL did good. Russia Junior, that's, to me, the surprise. I, and it says something where the NHL was drafting, because Russia Junior had 16 of Russia's 29 picks. That is something to keep an eye on. Yeah, the breakdown of where these picks are is really the surprising thing for me because I thought we were going to have a great Swedish presence, a great Russian presence, and a great Finnish presence, and we did. But the path that each of those countries took is actually really different. Sweden had six players go in the first round, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, we got all these Swedes in the first round. They're going to keep on coming. Then from there, they were just kind of here and there. They were scattered all throughout the rest of the draft. And then you see a country like Russia, who had Fedor Svechkov as their only representative in the first round. The floodgates opened up from there, man. There were so many Russians coming on for the rest of the drafts. And then I really thought we'd see a couple Finnish kids in the first round, I thought Rati had a shot, Tuomala had a shot. But then from there, we had six going in the second round. So super cool to see the different path that these countries took. And then we've got Tage Harding from Britain and then Andre Bujalski from Kazakhstan. They go to the Blackhawks and Avalanche, respectively. Super cool for those guys. But the big surprise for me was the American turnout. 50 selected this year. Funny enough, Jess, that's actually the same number as last year. But there were a couple guys from the NTDP I expected to go that never came off the board, which is crazy because there was no Luke Middlestat, no Caden Brown, no Jeremy Wilmer. Caden and Burka wasn't a part of the 20-plus goalies that came off the board. This was such a nice NTDP squad that we had this past year. It's crazy to think that we had 14 guys selected, and I still think it's too few. I agree. That's the advantage that these kids that are going through NTDP because they can go in, play a year of college, and that will change on the board. We could talk all we want about this draft, but the bottom line is always going to be how will this look down the future? 
that's going to do it for us. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the Prospect Park Jess, at Luke Legrano for myself. If you like this episode, be sure to rate us five stars on iTunes. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke Legrano. And I'm Jess Rubenstein. Hey, we'll see you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We hope to see you next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.